Welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple weeks, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you'll listen in to each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. This is episode seven of Taking the Middle Seat, and today I'm interviewing my friend Carlos Culas Dominguez. So you guys know how I always say at the beginning, the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community. Well, we are checking off every one of those boxes today, and I think we literally even do it in that order. This is a little bit of a departure. It's a more personal conversation than what I've done so far because I'm talking to um, someone who I was friends with about 20 years ago. We, our lives kind of took a little departure, and today, as we talk, we kind of literally heal some things as we record. We find acceptance first about who we were 20 years ago and how we held space in each other's lives at a time when I don't think either one of us really had any idea who we were. We laugh a lot, certainly, and talk about how community is now what we're both trying to build in our lives. It is the full circle middle seat experience, and I hope maybe it serves as a roadmap for conversations you need to have in your life. I hope you love it and that it resonates with you. I'll share some of my thoughts about it at the end, like usual. But one more thing about this episode is that I was battling a cold, I still am, um, when I recorded this, but I'm on the mend and my voice is just not ideal when we recorded. So I didn't want to reschedule this healing goodness, so um, we just went with it. It just is what it is. So you guys, have you subscribed yet? I don't know why you haven't, because it makes your life easier. So whatever podcast platform you subscribe on, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, whatever it is, you will then get notified if you subscribe when I have a new episode up. So it makes your life easier and you don't have to remember to check for new episodes. So just subscribe, people. All the cool kids are doing it. You just, you know you want to. You could also like my Facebook page while you're at it, while you're on a roll. I post on the Facebook page mostly um, little things about my life. And also when a new episode goes up, I just posted a delightful picture of my daughter who had to take the middle seat in the, the car, the literal middle seat. And she was feeling all sorts of middle seat magic there. She wasn't, but um, I thought it was pretty funny because moms are funny. All right, so um, subscribe, Facebook page. I think that's it. Let's get to the interview with Carlos Culas Dominguez. Carlos, welcome to Taking the Middle Seat. I'm going to apologize up front for my voice today. This is not normally, I don't have the normal deep, sultry podcast voice, but (laughs) this is just special for this today. Um, so I'm a little croaky, but we're just going to forge ahead. That's what we're going to do. So welcome. Hi. Awesome. Thank you for having <laughs> me, Andrea. I am super excited to be here and to just um, connect and share and just see where this takes us. I love it. So tell people a little bit about just snapshot of what your life is like today, who you are, life, family, job, that kind sure. of stuff. You know, if I had to put it in a quick snapshot, um, currently I think my life right now is really just about being in relationship and being present with people. Um, 
I recently have resigned from the um, education world. I've been in Grand Rapids Public Schools for the last several years, and I decided it was time for a change. And um, I really wanted to figure out what my path and where I really need to be in a way that is more meaningful, that's adding value to others. And I'm really growing my influence. So right now I'm in a transition spot, but I, it's for me it's been really kind of a sweet spot because um, I'm really trying to learn how I'm going to transfer my talents and my skills in ways that are going to, again, grow my influence and add value to others in a mindful way. I've been very focused on mindfulness mm -hmm. um, and in transferring the skills of building relationships and conne connecting people, connecting myself to people, um, bringing out the best in others. So kind of a lot of those things that I've learned on as being an educator, trying to transfer those skills into a different area in a way that I can have a, a bigger um, global impact. I love it. And Part of what um, all of that speaks to the goal of this podcast, so that's part of what I wanted to have you on for, because I know that you're a connector and you know the magic that happens with that. Um, so we met a long, long time ago, like probably around 20 years ago um, when we were in college, and I was excited about our conversation today So because I knew that we were kind of had a pretty close friendship for a while back in the day and then we did kind of this split and we've led you know lives where we knew each other existed out in the world but haven't kept in close contact for about that length of time and to kind of circle back and figure out where those paths have led us I think it's kind of interesting that it's both led to connection like jobs and connection but um so to talk a little bit about what that path has been for you in that 20 years sure. which I'm sure I mean, we can just cover that in an hour. You're fine. We're just going to zip right through 20 years of growth. Um, but talk a little bit about um, what was happening for you back in the day. Yeah. And then you have mentioned to me previously that you went through an addiction and recovery period of your life. Absolutely. So I think, you know, back in the day, as we're referring to it, <laughs> um, yeah, we were, you know, I, I was, so back in the day during that time, you know, I realized now that I was young and naive and I thought I knew it all. I thought I was on top of the world. You know, mm -hmm. some of the, a lot of things that we all go through and I was just focused on myself. I was mm -hmm. focused on how, what, what it is I need and who I need around me to get what I wanted for that moment in that space. Um, and I think during that time, you know, little did I know that I was being prepped by, I, I wasn't being prepped, I was being prepared by being surrounded by some pretty incredible people. And I can honestly say, reflecting back, that you were one of those people. Oh. Um, and I don't mean that in a way that is at all small. I'm, t I'm talking fundamentally mm -hmm. important. Um, because back then, I didn't really realize that I was had an addiction issue. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I was struggling with my own identity. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that there it was okay to let people in and to be a part of your world in a genuine, thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. I, I just knew that, for me, I was charming. I knew that I could make friends. I knew that people wanted to hang out with me. I knew that people thought I was fun. But I really didn't understand what value and what impact that could have on the out of my world just yeah. just sticking in that circle and i thinking back you know in that space i i wasn't just young and naive but i was ungrateful i was unaware mm -hmm. um 
and and I was pretty lost mm-hmm. and that is probably like the core um, so if I was to fast forward you know during during our time as friends back then you know y- you're absolutely right like, you meant the world to me I learned so much about compassion I was learning I learned so much about what it meant to be a, a, just a good person and to just be a genuine person and yet being blinded the, like, about the, the relate some of those relationships that I had in my circle at that time um, and and I don't know how much of a story you want here, but but I'll give you one. Well, that's good. I, I think one of those pivotal moments when I think back and reflect, it without knowing that I had so many issue underlying issues with, with addiction and and where that was going to lead on a few few years later. But I remember one time coming back and we were living next door to each other mm-hmm. at um at some townhouses, Laker Village, Laker yes, Village at Grand Valley. And I remember coming home one night not in the right state of mind after a full night of you know having fun and partying and knocking on your door and seeing your face and i remember so vividly that even though i wasn't fully there Mm -hmm. um i remember the hurt and the worry and the pain that that caused you and as i reflect now i realize that that was one of those moments where i think back and say to myself wow, I had a major issue and didn't really know it. And I had somebody in my life that could have been, um, that was, that cared. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't care enough about myself. Mm-hmm. And I remember that moment because there's no way I should have made it home in one piece that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God I did. Um, and fast forwarding though, that really led to a pivotal part. And I know that we had, what I saw is is a falling out, and it, and it was because of where I was at. I, I wasn't in a space to have people who cared around me. I wasn't in a space to feel that I deserved to be connected to people in a in a meaningful way and in a genuine way. Um, and and I so I continued on, and I I let people go that I probably shouldn't have at that time, and, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, you know, you just have to accept that and move forward. But I think the second point was. Um, of my the turning point for me it was a, it was a tipping point is I was um, still living the life that I thought I was meant to do and making those connections and having a great time so after college that led me um, in into actually I take that back after college I tried to go into teaching and found out that that wasn't gonna happen so easily because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, you know teachers get pink slipped quite often mm-hmm. so I said okay I didn't do all this so I can get pink slipped every year so I went back to school and was working on my second degree and really still kind of lost and and being stuck in that space of being comfortable and during that time I went back into um working in the food industry as a bartender mm-hmm. and that's when the big life change happened for me and and I was I, I was out one night again partying really fun and having a great evening, mm-hmm. um, and on top of the world. And I was driving home on a Labor Day morning. It was I believe two thousand and four, mm-hmm. very early in the morning. And um, I flipped my car on the freeway. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah. And needless to say, I um, flipped it in a way that you can't ever forget. And luckily survived, but. You know, we missed the overpass, went through that little area in between, and ended up upside down on the other side of the overpass. So it was all God. It was all God. Yeah. And 
the things that I remember from that night specifically is being upside down, praying to God, just give me one more chance. I will do what I need to do to get my life in order. Um, I'll do what I need to do. Just let me see my family again. You know, those moments that you have where things are like everything is slowed down in such slow motion in an experience like that. Yeah. And what I remember from that night too, though, is I being upside down and a man breaking the window to get us out of the car because I had a friend with me. And again, thank God neither of us had any injuries. We survived in one piece. We got out walking on two feet. But I remember seeing two kids, a boy and a girl. And I got out of the car asking that guy, where, where are the kids at? Where are those kids at? Where are those kids at? There, we're, there are no kids here. It's 7 in the morning on Labor Day morning. Yeah. You're lucky nobody else was hit. Do you even know? And he explained to us exactly what he witnessed. And, um, and to this day, I just count my blessings because I swear that those two little kids were the angels that were sitting out the car. Yeah. And that is when I kind of came to finding God. Uh-huh. And I think that's where my journey started. And I've always been one of those people who... Um, I don't really need to learn something twice. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and I tend to be a rule follower. So when they throw you into a holding cell and that feels like, you know, a lifetime when it was like less than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You And if you're in that space of humility and, and can embrace being humble, uh, that's what it was for me. Yeah. And I took that as an opportunity I mean I I went through the whole court and the whole process and the whole everything that comes with it Um, so bless the judge at the time as much as I didn't like him yeah but that led me to recovery yeah and that led me to AA and it wasn't an option for me Uh and that's when I started really peeling back those layer, layers of, of some of the healing that needed to happen, where some of that growing needed to happen, so where a lot of forgiveness needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just really real, realizing like, wow, I have lost so much. I have lost so much time. I have lost so much um, energy. I have lost so many opportunities. I've lost so many amazing people, all because of an Addiction that I did not really know existed, mm-hmm. and I was there for AA. Mm-hmm. So Alcoholics Anonymous um, was a huge pivotal point, and, and and that accident was obviously like the the tipping point for me. Yeah. But um, what that led me to is realizing, well, my addiction, like it, the alcohol, was a symptom of bigger issues. Okay. Like it wasn't that I had to drink every day. It wasn't yeah. that any of that. But I knew that when I would go out, it was. It was like the, it was that magic pill that you need to just be somebody that you weren't comfortable being. Yeah. And, and I'm saying all this because obviously you knew back then, like I was, I'm gay. I've been out since I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and that's when the recovery started peeling back even more deeper layers of, wow, I am not okay with, I wasn't okay with being who I am. Yeah. I wasn't okay with embracing that. And I think... Um, you know, going back to when we met, that that was probably okay. So this is where I get emotional. I wasn't in a space to know that there are people that genuinely cared or wanted to be my friend and accepted me for who I was. Mm-hmm. And you were one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think back about that day of um, I do. I you know, if you don't mind, <laughs> I think back about that experience. And how stupid I was, you know, and, and naive because, wow. go ahead. And I think, I mean, you know, we have, there's a lot of forgiveness that I think we both 
or do for who we were at that point in life. What I remember of you back then is a big personality for sure. I mean, that hasn't gone away, I would imagine. No. Um, and I think we all know those people with big personalities that are kind of the life of everything. And the first assumption people make is they must be the most confident, most settled, most with it person in the room because they're leading the charge for everything. So, I mean, not only did you, you know, socialize in a big way, but you led things in a big way. Um, so I remember that piece for sure, but I think people listening know people exactly like that. And to not assume yeah. that it's that they have everything together just because they might be the one dancing on the dance floor, that there's always layers to everything. Yeah. But the other thing I remember, and I think it's just because of how I'm wired, is I just remember sadness. I remember sadness underlying everything. Um, not necessarily that like our friendship was just all sadness. It wasn't. But I remember worry and I remember sadness um, because I had enough time with you behind the scenes when you weren't leading the charge to have discussions and talks. And that's just who, that's always who I am, is the quiet one in the corner. I'm the least one to be in the middle of everything. In fact, I hate that and I still do to this day. <laughs> um and what put us together in that space and time is because we both needed something. Um, and so it just is what it is. I yeah. don't know that there was any blame on either side. I think we probably were we were there for a reason for the time that we were together oh, yeah. and taught each other some things. And what I learned is I don't have the tools. I didn't have the tools at the time to name that sadness or to... Um, deal with it well on my end I was just all like I was all in all enmeshed I can fix it I can help it I can do all the things and of course I couldn't it wasn't my journey to have and so I think I just then shut down and and got the hell out um so you know we we learned what we needed to learn but I think it's great to talk through these types of things because this is this happens every day all the time yeah. for people they have people in their life like me and like you and there's always an underlying story that we can learn from absolutely and i just i, I really love how you just couched that experience because that that really is accurate to say that it's it sometimes I had to I had to learn how being in that light and being and leading that charge how much of yourself you're putting out there mm -hmm. and and really figuring out well how do you create those boundaries that are healthy and safe and in a way that you can still lead that charge with and not losing your authenticity right. you know and that that that's something that you learn as you grow right yeah um and, and so that's where it's taken me. And recovery for me was a blessing. Mm -hmm. And and I don't regret a minute of it. I'm grateful for every moment that I've had to go because that led me to really peeling back some of those layers of knowing that, wow, be grateful for certain people. Be grateful for those certain moments. It led me to um, taking the time to um, forgive. And Lord Jesus, that is something that hasn't stopped yet mm -hmm. because there's just so much work and forgiveness you know <laughs> darn it all never ends I mean, it'd be nice if you just be done you know <laughs> make a list and say hey i'm sorry um 
But I think the real magic has happened for me though is is it coming full circle. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, now I realize that these are the gifts that I have been lent, and that my ability to build relationships and to do it in a meaningful way and to do it in a thoughtful way although I'm never going to be perfect and I don't want to be um, because I think that you lose the, the genuineness of those relationships mm-hmm. um, but the the impact that I'm having in the world now it's a whole other level of accountability that I would not have been aware of before and or even considered or, or thought of um, and that's and that's where I'm at you know um AA led me down the road road of of not just healing my um, well not just healing the relationships that I had, but really healing the relationship with myself. Yeah, and I think that is one relationship most of us avoid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not fun most of the time. Um, you learn things that you probably never wish you knew. Yep, and um, and then the work that goes with it is exhausting yes and it's and it goes in seasons i mean there's those highs and the lows and the one thing for me is i i you know and right now i'm in one of those seasons of really re um not sort of reinventing myself and 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 where i'm at now through all those transitions because what i can say and i'm having a difficult time sharing is that you know, AA led me down to realizing that my issues weren't with alcohol. My uh-huh. issues were with me wanting to feel like I belonged. My yeah. issues was feeling like I am worthy of being loved. My issue was knowing like my sexuality was just a piece of who I am yeah. and, and where that fits in, which led to some very unhealthy relationship practices yeah. that, that led to me discovering other addictions, whether it was sexual addictions or, yeah. you know, going for the wrong relationships and and that right there is became like the crux of my recovery yeah and and it's such a taboo topic for people yeah people don't want to talk about it and people don't want to come and be upfront about it because you're labeled i mean it's people can accept people when you're labeled as you know an alcoholic yeah. or a drug addict and yeah. but when you start talking about sex addiction people just shut off and like okay you're just some kind of perp you know right and, yeah and, and that's not the case at all right you know um well and it's so i think it's so common working yeah. in i mean i'm a social worker as you know i think it's way more common in all of its forms and iterations um than people think it is mm-hmm. just like alcohol addiction or drug addiction or any other kind of addiction um but you're right people just don't want to talk about it because of whatever taboos fears all of that um and they might like you said jump to well you're just a perv and you can stop doing that and like whatever that's not an addiction and so it's misunderstanding of course just like any other thing people don't want to talk about so that was the root of it and then I mean, that's huge to just yeah. figure that out, I yeah. think. Yeah, that was the root. I mean, and again, that's why I, for me, it's it's crazy how one, well, I mean, many things led to it, of mm-hmm. course, but the tipping point I do consider to be the accident. Yeah. And and I'm grateful for that because I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be where I am now, yeah. you know, and again, I'm still doing the work. Mm-hmm. I still go through those seasons where, you know, you, the, you, you feel that addiction is very alive. It yep. doesn't ever go away. Yep. As much as you wish, wish, you would love to just wish it away and pray it away and ask somebody else to take it for you. Whatever yep. it is, um, it's work that you never stop doing. And you know, as being a social worker, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Um, but the one thing that I have come to know is like I now I have the tools, so I don't have to depend on alcohol. I don't have. Right. Thank God I didn't have to go down like the road of any kind of narcotics. So right. I've learned to do find different ways to cope and and what triggers things. Um, but the biggest thing I've learned is how important people mm-hmm. are a part of that, and how you have to be willing and and open and vulnerable to share. And and that is why. I go back to now I can go back and reflect and be like you were one of those people Andrea yeah. you know you were one Thank of those you. people that showed me that those people exist in the world you know mm-hmm. and um and it's allowed me to be allowed for me to be open to new people to come mm-hmm. in um because had I not it I probably would be in a different place right now mm-hmm. whether alive or dead mm-hmm. and and I wouldn't be able to be doing what I love. And I, and now, um, you know, I'm I've been married for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel most times like I get to be like everybody else. Uh-huh. Um, we, I, I get to dream again. I get yeah. to be more authentic. I get to be more comfortable in my skin. I get to feel like I have a space and a um, place to belong. And I think the most exciting part is, again, I, and I love what you said of the leading the charge. I'm figuring out new ways of leading that charge, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and Peter and I, you know, if you look at our social media, we it starts out being all fun games and people watch us. Mm-hmm. But you, you just can't, you never know who's watching and why. Yep. And that creates a whole other level of accountability that y- you just, you, you either, either you embrace it or you run from it. Right. And for me, it's like, okay, wow, um, you know, we hashtag happy hubbies, you know, yeah. and, and we go any, we walk into any event and people are like, you guys have like the most fabulous life. It's like, no, we have a life that we really have to work hard for. Right. <laughs> like it is fabulous and we have great adventures and we have a great time, but there's a ton of work that has gone into my recovery, Peter's own healing, our own growth, growth of trust. Um, yeah damage that you know we both have brought baggage into the relationship and and that's where I'm at now like I mean, so all of those past experience and peeling back the layers it's just really exciting to be in a new space to be a light for people mm-hmm. and and I now know that that light can shine in different ways mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have to be hey you're that gay kid at Grand Valley that's like l- leading the charge yeah but I can be, you know, Carlos. Like yeah. just becoming into my own skin of just being just Carlos has been um, pretty powerful. And and I and again, I'm in another season where I'm like figuring that out, and I have to be very mindful and very thoughtful and very sensitive to what that looks like and how I'm doing that and who I'm involving in that mm-hmm. and, and what message are we communicating. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, you see, very, in the two seconds we've been talking, it's just there's a lot more nuance, I think, to who you are now. It's not just, like you said, just like the gay guy who's just loud and out there and with the blowhorn and mm-hmm. president of everything. Um, now you can still be the leader, but just one-on-one, having yeah. lunch with someone. You can still be the leader of whatever you're doing you can be also be the holistic health guy you can also be a husband you can also you know like all those things are in you and part of you rather than it just being kind of one picture yeah i guess yes i love it i love it 
Um, let's talk a little bit holistic health real quick. Oh, yeah, go for it. Because <laughs> I think people either are just like, I don't know what that is, yeah. or, um, or are super interested in it, sure. or somewhere in between. So what sorts of holistic health are you involved in now? What is your training, that kind of yeah. stuff? So for me, it began, it's really funny that we're, it's so how interconnected the whole, all of it is really, because um, it started for me when I got into recovery, mm-hmm. I realized I was in a really dark space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, but I also knew I didn't want to be dependent on um, pharmaceuticals and, you know, all the other stuff mm-hmm. that we're used to. And, and, and again, I say that with much grace because I do believe that there's a place for everything. Sure. But I knew for me, I didn't want to go through that. But I did get on antidepressants, and that's really kind of where my journey began. Mm-hmm. I started doing tons of research on what are different ways to cope with anxiety, to cope with the depression, to cope with, you know, just getting your control or having some coping mechanisms for your mental well being. Yeah. And that led me to essential oils. Mm-hmm. And that opened a whole world of just information and not um and resources and tools so i started with essential oils um during the same time i was on antidepressants and i gave myself a year to get off of them Mm -hmm. which that then led to okay let's start looking at like whole food prepping and Mm -hmm. and real foods and and just getting back to the basics that we've come so far away from which i'm sure you can relate Mm -hmm. um so that led me into like getting certified in, in essential oils and being a, uh, a consultant or a total health expert, which then led to whole food prep and going through the Creative Health Institute and Alyssa Cohen and some of the big names in the industry and getting their certifications on teaching other people mm-hmm. how to uh, you know, bring that into their own world. And then fast forwarding for the last 10 years, I just decided, you know, let me now transfer my skills of being an educator. Mm -hmm. Um, My formal background has been um, teaching and I worked in an elementary school and I see all these families and all these kids and all these, my staff that are all dealing with, you know, Ritalin this and depression that and, you know, the the whole spectrum. Yeah. Um, Hey, I can't control this. Let me pop a pill for that. Hey, I'm feeling pain. Let me go get a surgery for that. And I just started realizing, wait, like I have the gift of being, building relationships, being an educator Mm -hmm. and a thirst for knowledge and and, and being the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So that is how I have brought the whole world of holistic health and prevention into my repertoire mm-hmm. um and then most recently i got into some thai body work and mm-hmm. and that has been profound um and just helping people know that there's other ways to manage pain there's mm-hmm. other ways to gain range of motion and and when i pair that with eating better and whole foods and then bringing on like the good healthy supplements whether it's essential oils or vitamins and so there's all of that has been um it's just been freeing it gives you options and it allows for people because my my main goal with holistic health really is meeting people where they're at Mm -hmm. and providing a menu of options that best serves them Mm -hmm. and their needs so that we can journey and walk together because so many times like you know we're told what to do not how to do it yeah and um prevention is key so that's why i've really um embraced holistic health okay and that could be like a whole another three hour Absolutely discussion, is. of course. <laughs> um, but I will 
after we're done talking, get links and everything of how people can find you and sure. learn more about that aspect of what you're doing now. Um, so there are three questions that I ask everyone. The, the first one is, how, what is a way that people can create more or deeper connection in their life? So either one-on-one -on -one connection or con more connection in their community or how big or small you want to take that. So, you know, what I have found for me, and I think, too, like, this can go in seasons, depending, you know, where you're at and, yeah. and just doing your own self, you know, climate check of, you know, where you're at and how much you're willing to give of yourself and yeah. put yourself out there. But, you know, I, I've been building teams for years now with, within my business and um, building communities and leadership. And I really... My, I, I have to go back to what I always tell them is you know, lead with your heart. Yeah. If you're not leading with your heart, you know, the connections are not going to be that strong. They're not going to be genuine. Mm -hmm. And then I think when you're leading with your heart, you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable. You're allowing yourself to be very real. And, 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 and you, surprisingly, you know, you learn so much more about who you were meant to be. Yeah. And the more you are able to walk in confidence and to walk in love in, in your own skin mm -hmm. um, those relationships are great and then getting out of your comfort zone yeah I mean I think that's the biggest thing I've had to do a lot of things to get out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. to build those connections and to be present with people um, in a way that uh, that just means something you know uh, I was listening to I was listening to a podcast yesterday of course you were and they're awesome <laughs> and and the, the guy said something that was so so powerful to me that, um, you know, the reason he said, the reason I'm so successful is because I will outfriend anyone here. And I just thought, wow, what a great way to approach life. Mm -hmm. Like, we're so worried about being better than somebody else, whether mm -hmm. it's in your, your field or your profession or making more money than somebody else or being the, you know, the top of whatever it is. Yeah. And I, and I think truly, like, if you really want to be the best at what you're going to be, it really is about making friends. And, yeah. and, and if you can out-friend the next person, yeah. everything's about connections. Yeah. I mean, everything. Yeah. And I would hazard a guess. He didn't mean like out-friend, like I'll have 4,000 friends and you'll have two. You, he means, I would assume, I'm going to be the most genuine person Absolutely. in those relationships. Absolutely. And show up and keep showing up. And yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah. friend. Yep. And I'm glad it. you clarified that because that, that was the part he drove home at the mm -hmm. end of that podcast because it, you can have, you can connect with people all day long, Yeah, but it doesn't mean anything if they, I mean, just remembering somebody's name yeah. is so important and, and so many people don't and I, and, and it drives me and I get it and I respect it and I am so graceful about it. But, um, when people say I'm terrible at remembering names, okay, well, we're all probably terrible at remembering names, right. but I had to learn to remember names as a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, you walk into a classroom and you're either going to A, be eaten alive by those kids right. in that room, <laughs> or you know their names so mm -hmm. they can respect you, but really you're respecting them. Yeah. And, you um, got to be able to call little Johnny out <laughs> by his name. So names are important for yeah. me, but um, yeah. Yeah. He totally meant that. So second question sure. is, what is either a place or a type of person or an interaction that makes you feel the most genuinely seen and genuinely heard? Ooh. That is... So I feel like this might be a tough one that is for a you great specifically. 
Because I think, like you said, you people look at you and Peter, and they're just like, they're the most fun ever, and they have the best life, and everything is roses and hearts and stars. And you have a big personality, and that doesn't always make someone see you for who yeah. you actually are. You know, I think if I... Great question, Andrea, because I'm having a really hard time processing that one. <laughs> It's fine. Um, I think I have to go back to what you had already said. It's really when you're able to be in those spaces of vulnerability and, and being present. And I think most of those times... Because like you said, I thrive walking into a room full of hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I get on a stage with 20,000 people and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like heaven. I'm nervous, but I love this. (laughs) But when you're feeling that most connected um, interaction, it is, I think the one-on-one or the small groups, you know, Peter and I, it's funny because we're so opposite in every possible way that you Mm -hmm. can imagine. So when Peter and I go to an event, now he asks how many people are going. Because mm-hmm. that determines if he's going or not. <laughs> and I'm seeing, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I hope the more of the people there, the better. Uh-huh. But we were at a dinner last week, and it was so fun because we were there with two other couples. And one of those couples is like me and has mm-hmm. the big personalities. And the couple that was hosting was the opposite and mm-hmm. like Peter. And that was just so fun to watch because it was such a genuine exchange amongst the, you know, the, our six of us. And, yeah. um, and what I really loved about that was when we came home, I got a message from both of those couples. And mm-hmm. one of those was like the one that is the social one and the butterfly. That was so amazing and so much fun. I can't uh-huh. believe I survived a night with just six people. <laughs> but But I learned so much about you and Peter that I never yeah. would have guessed, you know? Yeah. And then the other couple is like, thank God you guys didn't bring guests <laughs> with you because we got to know you guys yes. for who you are. Yeah. And um, and that is where I, I have to re- bring myself back a lot of times. Like, okay, it's okay to be with one person at this time. And I do love that anyhow. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like it's uncomfortable for me. But that's where the work happens that I was talking about. You know, yeah. every relationship is work. And, and I really think that that's where it happens. That's where the meaningfulness happens. That's mm-hmm. where the mindfulness happens. Um, and we all need that because being in that big spotlight, people just see what you want them to see. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. not always real. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with Peter. I'm like, can we, can we go home now? Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm done. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm always telling George, he's not really a social butterfly either, but he's better at the like mingling, oh, yeah. chatty, chatty oh, kind yeah. of stuff. And I'm just like, oh my God, I want to go home and get my slippers on. Um, yeah, you'd get along with Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so last question is, and this is just purely because I like asking people, is um, favorite thing. So it can be as like fluffy as like, I just ate this really cool meal at a really cool restaurant, or you can take it as deep as you want, but a few favorite things that you're just loving right now. You know, right now, um, well, one, I really love sitting on my couch as social as I am. I do love just having a good day on my couch and not doing anything. Of course. Yes. And binging a show or playing a video game. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I should probably read more, but, you know, that's not in my season right now. No. But um, for for Peter and I, though, um, we love to travel. 
Okay. We love to travel and explore. You know, any it could be Disney. It can be you know we were just in Kenya not too long ago, mm-hmm. and for us we're realizing that um, that's really where you so much work goes into building those relationships too. Because mm-hmm. if you're just traveling with the two of you, you learn a lot about each other mm-hmm. that you probably didn't know even if you've been together for twenty years, right? right? <laughs> Um, and then going with groups, we're trying to do that and explore that more. Um, but, but traveling and then the other piece that I'm really enjoying, um, and it's scary at the same time, but I'm really not, I'm in a transition as I've been mentioning, um, of of kind of rebranding myself, like Mm -hmm. who I am and what do I want to be sharing and what gifts do I want to be putting out there? And I really want to make sure I'm doing it with a clarity and, Mm -hmm. and with a thoughtfulness and a mindfulness, um. And so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and so what that's led to me in the space that I'm in now is I'm just saying yes to almost every experience with mm-hmm. any opportunity to meet new people. Because um, I really am trying to stay firm in the idea that my gift for connecting is going to lead me down the path and open those doors mm-hmm. that I've been waiting for versus me trying to force the doors or, mm-hmm. you know, or be in control of where, what I'm supposed to be doing right mm-hmm. now. Because I really don't know. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that's an exciting space to be in, but also can be really hard because you're like, okay, I'd like a clear direction. (laughs) It's time. But yeah, I think that's awesome. This has been, fun's a weird word. It might not, it wasn't that fun, but it's been. Delightful. Wonderful. (laughs) I'm so glad that you said yes. Um, so thank you yeah, I, so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Well, you are welcome. And I'm just humbled and feel grace or great, grateful that you, you had me. Thank you. <sighs> so, you know, when you resolve something that you didn't even know needed to be resolved, going into this interview, I was easy breezy. I absolutely knew we would explore Carlos's story about addiction and recovery, which is certainly powerful in and of itself, but I honestly had no idea we would talk about how our friendship was wound into that story. And our friendship was pretty intense and it had a fairly abrupt ending, but it was 20 years ago, so I felt like that was kind of a blip on my life timeline, and I didn't feel any ill will or that I needed any particular resolution. But this conversation was such a good reminder that whenever we are open to having genuine connection with someone, we'll always come away having learned something. We have to. So none of this was scripted or expected, and yet I feel like I learned something significant about myself and how I continue to make assumptions about people in my life. I was painting Carlos with sort of a broad brush And I was reminded that just like he said, we are all nuanced. We are not solely our sexuality or our gender or our race, but we are nuanced and detailed and usually contradictory. And I love how Carlos exemplifies this when he talks about being a leader and having insecurities that he's working on, being gay and believing in God having a history of sexual addiction, and being in a beautifully committed marriage. I was so humbled when Carlos mentioned the role that I played in his life. Um, It's always hard for me to hear things like that, but it reminded me 
that you just don't know how you're impacting others. You don't know who's listening, who's watching. So love and openness are always the key because we belong to each other. I love how Carlos mentioned the concept of outfriending others, not in a competitive way or a way that focuses on numbers, but outfriending in a way that shows people in your life that you're willing to show up even when relationships are messy or hard or complex or interrupted by 20 years, like our case. I'm so grateful that Carlos was willing to talk about his addictions with vulnerability and openness because I do think that addiction is in so many people's stories, whether it's yourself or your family members or friendships. It's just everywhere, all sorts of addiction. If you do want to connect with Carlos, you can find him at his Facebook page, and I will link that in the show notes. I know he'd be open to connecting about almost anything, but he is a great resource in particular for things like leadership, business building, and holistic health, including the specific modalities of essential oils and Thai massage. So if you want to connect on that, I'm sure he would love that. So just go to the show notes and you'll find a link there. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Facebook, of course, um, and on the Instagrams. On Facebook, I'm at Taking the Middle Seat or Andy Lou, A-N-D-I-E-L-O-U. I'm also on Instagram, like I mentioned, at Andrea Beck Lunsko, all one word, no hyphen. I'll put that in the show notes too, since some people don't know how to spell that complicated last name of mine. So thanks again for listening. I hope you'll tune in next time to hear the magic in the middle seat.